Happy New Year. Happy 2018. This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. First downs and flip tricks. And I had to start off with a little celebration there from the Buffalo Bills uh, locker room in Miami, uh, breaking a 17-year drought. Uh, Happy New Year to you guys. I hope you guys had a wonderful holiday. Um, And I'm sending amazing, amazing year wishes to you all. The best that it can bring. Um... So, now for me, holidays. We did tamales at my father-in-law's. Christmas Eve there as well, wrapping presents, watching football. Uh, And then my sister's um, Christmas Day and more football following that. I'm I'm grateful to report also that my my other sister in Montecito was uh, allowed to go back home on Saturday right before Christmas. Uh, The mandatory evacuations had been lifted in Montecito, so I was... So it was pretty cool. It was all pretty baseline to holiday for me, a lot of football and just sort of back to basics. Um, So lots and lots of football, bowl games, and, uh, you know, Christmas football, New Year's Eve football. um, And we wrapped up with a Black Monday landing on New Year's Day. Uh, Six coaches lost their jobs. It's been a super exciting uh, season, though, and I'm super excited to welcome back Um, A player who has played for 15 seasons in the league. He is a Georgia Tech Yellow Jacket for life. And I'm really happy to welcome back Mr. Nick Ferguson. Nick, are you there? Thank you for having me. Yeah, no, and thanks so much. Uh, Today was a little bit of a crazy, crazy day for me. um, And I appreciate you stepping in. It's always such a pleasure to have you on. Um, How was was your holiday? Holiday is always... uh festive uh as you know uh, football is 24 7 <laughs> so you, you're trying to juggle that uh make uh, last minute selections for for gifts and trying to stay in tune with what's going on in the world of sports so it's always uh it's always crazy another uh, interesting uh football season uh and uh it's been fun yeah no and me as well i was like okay cool yay Christmas Eve, I've got football all day. I can wrap presents. I could not really enjoy my games. <laughs> I was, like, so bummed. Um, but I did have it on, and, like, I was wrapping and trying to. Uh, and then over at my father-in-law's, we make tamales on New on uh, Christmas Eve always. So we got to watch. Uh, well, actually, there was no football on Christmas Eve, but Christmas Day we had football. So um, anyways, um, the season is end. Well, and, you know, I started off the show, and I don't know if you got to listen to it, but the excitement of the Buffalo Bills drought, you know, after the 4th and 12th Andy Dalton connection for a touchdown in Baltimore, when the Buffalo Bills in Miami get to find out that they are going to the post the first time in 17 years, that excitement, had, did you have anything like that in your career? Well, first of all, everyone has to understand that, uh, you know, making it to the postseason isn't a blessing. And it's one of those reasons that a lot of individuals hate the Patriots because they always find themselves in the postseason. And even if you are fortunate to get there, there's no guarantee you'll be there uh, the following year. So for me, in my uh, decade playing in the NFL, I happen to be uh, playing with a couple organizations uh, that uh, we actually got to the postseason with the New York Jets. I actually won the division. Uh, over the New England Patriots when 
when I was a member of the Denver Broncos, we won the division as well. We played in the championship, AFC championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We would go on to to lose that game. So I, I played in some uh, some meaningful games, uh, especially uh, late in the December and January uh, types of months. Uh, it is a, a very exciting time for everyone, and it's not every player would actually get a chance to experience what the postseason feels like. And it's those uh, win-and-go-home type of, uh, of games. And it's a cliche saying we say it in sports uh, a lot, but uh, there's nothing like it in the NFL. And baseball, I mean, you may have a, a three-game series or seven-game series in NBA and NFL. This is one game, and it's over. So if you don't play your best brand of football on, on all three phases, I mean, the whole season could be a wash. It doesn't make a difference what you did at the very beginning of the season. You have four quarters, 60 minutes, whether you're at home or on a row, to really show up and to show out. And, and sometimes there's a lot of anxiety associated with making it to the postseason. You celebrate, just like you were talking about the Buffalo Bills. They celebrated, you know, getting in. And uh, I saw a post on uh, Instagram from uh, my former Buffalo Bill teammate uh, and uh, a great Buffalo Bill uh, player Eric Moles, and he was just talking about how, hey, listen, you know, Bills Nation, you know, we're, we're back in the playoffs, and I'm excited for the fact that the Bills uh, were a- able to get there. I know uh, Ralph Wilson is somewhere looking down and smiling yeah. down on the Buffalo Bills and saying, listen, I wasn't there to experience with you, but we, we finally uh, beat that, uh, got out of that drought. Uh, so it, it's really exciting when you, when you really look at the landscape of what Wild Card Weekend is like. We we have about, if I'm not mistaken, there are like seven teams that were not in the playoffs in 2016 mm-hmm. that are in. I mean, you got Buffalo, Jacksonville, Titans, Tennessee, Kansas City. I mean, all these teams, so it's really exciting. Yeah. No, and uh, it, it is super exciting, and you kind of touched on it as well, as the, but what's crazy in addition is this last week, one, the first seed, the third seed, the fourth seed, and the fifth seed all lost. Um, going into the playoffs. Um, but I want to step back and I want to actually ask you what it's like as a player. What, you know, obviously, you know, it is it is, it is a win or go home right now. Um, it is an honor to make it to the post. As a player, I know that coaches really try to keep you in the moment in one game at a time protocols. But what, you know, you touched on some anxiety. What is it like as a player kind of preparing this week for you know, the first, you know, obviously this is the uh, wild card weekend coming up. Um, what's it like as a player co- preparing for this? Well, you know, for a player, you're going to get a lot of talks from your, your coach. And the coach is going to tell you and try to drive home the fact of, yeah, it's a one-and-go-home situation. But we've had 16 weeks to be in situations to win football games. So we're going to approach this the same as though we approached any other game. We're going to uh, prepare the same. Uh, film study, uh, practices are going to be a little different. Uh, you're not going to have padded practice, if at all. Uh, it's just kind of like, let's go over with a fine-tooth comb uh, some of the things that we did do well. But let's look at a lot of things that we did not do well, because we have to make sure, going into this game in a want-to-go-home scenario, we can't make these same mistakes that we've made throughout the years. So as a player, you have to do a little self-reflection. You have to really look at yourself and say, well, listen, these guys in the locker room, there's some older guys in the locker room. 
uh, some young guys, uh, some guys who, who their contracts will be up at the end of the season after, you know, either whether we advance or we lose the game, their contracts are going to be up. Uh, this is the last time I may play against a guy sitting right next to me. So you have to block out everything. And dur- during the season, guys want to go out. They want to hang out. They want to uh, revel in the fact that you are a professional athlete and you definitely, uh, you know, you hang out with with your teammates. So you just go, go out and do just things because you're still a person. Now you have to cut back on that. Mm-hmm. There's no going out to the club. You have to tell your wife, girlfriend, significant other, hey, listen, now, this is a win or go home situation. So the, the family stress that you may n- normally deal with, now you have to tell, hey, listen, I need you to handle that. <laughs> Once this is over, now we can get back to, you know, my, I'm doing my share, you're doing your share. But for this moment, as far as our run is, you have to let me live in this moment. Because I can tell you, you know, you think that, hey, listen, we have the same guys on our roster coming back you know, next year. So, you know, we'll get back to this point. Not true. You know, the Patriots are blessed. They are so lucky that, you know, they've had Tom Brady. He's been healthy. And they've been able to put the pieces together and make the plays when they need to and to go on the front as they've been on. But that's not the same for everyone. If that, if that were true, then we would talk about everyone having a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame head coach, and they don't. So you have to really – uh, absorb this moment and really dig in to your playbook and work through the fine details of what you're going to be asked to do as far as saying, okay, well, who's my matchup across the field? You know, what are some of the things that in his game he does well? What are some of the things that he may not do well? And you just try to exploit those things that the other team or players don't do well. Yeah, and if you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Nick Ferguson. You can follow him on Instagram at nickferguson25, my lucky number. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> my birth date, actually. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I we you played for Buffalo. You, you mentioned Ralph Wilson smiling. Um, you know, what the Bills Mafia did after for Andy Dalton's charity is pretty awing as well. And last I looked, $170,000 had been raised uh, for Andy Dalton's fundraiser, uh, for his organization, his charity organization, $17 at a time by each Bills Mafia fan. Uh, Pretty awing uh, specialness there across the board, I think. I'll tell you, that that is uh, amazing. And for me, that tells you uh, the fact that you know, we are, as fans, we are very loyal to our team. And, you know, that Bills Mafia that you speak of, they're so loyal to their Bills team and so thankful to Andy Dalton that they decided to donate to his foundation. Could you, could you imagine if all fans of all 32 teams embrace that mentality as far as just donating to – a player of another team and, and their charity, you know, just to help that player and what the the things that those players do out in the community. That that's the one thing that I, I I love about the game of football and one of the reasons you know why we play football is because uh, the fan loyalty, the connection. And when you play in Buffalo, there is a huge connection to the players in the community. So to see uh, the fans come out and show their appreciation 
for uh, Andy Dalton and, you know, throwing that touchdown, that, that is amazing. What they also should do, the Bills team, they should get a billboard in Buffalo and thank uh, Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens for blowing that game as well. That's something they should do because there's no way you blow that game. You have the lead, and it's fourth and 12, and you play somewhat of a soft defense, allowing a guy to sit in the soft zone, and then your secondary guys, Eric Weddle included, they miss a tackle. I mean, that's, that you have to understand situational football. And it was kind of ironic when you really think about it. Joe Flacco did that to the Denver Broncos. When Raheem Moore, instead of staying back, he tried to intercept the Hail Mary, misjudged it. Jacoby Jones runs, my former Texas teammate, runs in the end zone. So how fitting is it that someone in your division, a coach who seemed like he was out the door, does it two weeks in a row? The week before, he knocked off the Lions, and then he comes back and he knocks off a division rival, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Man, the Bills fans, they definitely need to send shots out to uh, Baltimore for uh, helping that happen. Yeah, well, and, uh, you know, I mean, well, on two notes, Marv Lewis, uh, Marvin Lewis also get, you know, today gets a two-year, two-year contract deal extension. Um, on the other side, Charger fans, actually San Diego Charger fans, are very familiar with the 4th and 27 by Ray Rice, Ray Rice up the middle. On that fourth down conversion as well. So I think Charger fans maybe had a little San Diego. Well, I don't know what the Charger fans are doing these days anymore because they don't really (laughs) quite know. Like even the broadcasters aren't quite sure where they're sending. I mean, a boomer did that the other night um, for the Chargers game. He sent it back to San Diego and they're like, "Uh, San Diego, we're not in San Diego. I'd love to be in San Diego. We're in Los Angeles, you know, and, and, you know, and not to nullify that team either, because what I saw in those locker room with Anthony Lynn, I was really awed by. Um, he had uh, Anthony Lynn is a special coach, um, and I think this Chargers team, through all their adversity, is going to be okay as well. Um, you know, he commands. He has this. He's not versed. You know, I've been around the NFL. I've been around coaches, and they're always so versed, and um, they're taught to be versed. But he is has this calm confidence um, and a demeanor you know, that I think is, you know, it's contagious. Well, you know, here's the thing I I like about Anthony Lynn. I don't know him uh, personally, but the fact uh, that he's played in the league, so he understands things, not just from the X's and O's, the the front office staff, to everyone who sits upstairs. He understands what the players are going through in the locker room. This is why I feel as though, you know, more opportunities – should come not just to minority coaches, but just to individuals who have played in the NFL because that goes a long way. Like you just said, I mean, how the command he has of that locker room when he speaks and the guy's ability to respect every word that is, that's coming out of his mouth, that's important. Your players have to buy into what you're selling as a head coach. And the fact that, you know, with Anthony Lynn being a first-time head coach, you have to be able to surround yourself with smart people. And I've, and I've always been taught this. If you are in any room and you are the smartest person in that room and you're running things, that's a problem mm-hmm. because you should surround yourself with smart people. And he's done that with Ken Wisenhunt, who's a Georgia Tech guy uh, himself, <laughs> who's uh, been a head coach in the NFL, and Gus Bradley, who also has been a head coach and exceptional defensive coordinator in this league. And I truly believe – the, the the Chargers 
are, are right there on the cusp. And it just so you know, just so happened that they happen to be in a division that has you know several uh, good teams. But uh, the bigger issue is you know you know Antonio Gates. This we probably seen the last of Gates, and I played against him, mm-hmm. Hall of Fame tight end. But what happens with Philip Rivers? You know, because when you look at the team, <clears throat> have they truly prepared themselves to transition whenever that happens? From Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers has been there since North Turner and they, the Chargers when they were in San Diego since Marty Schottenheimer always been yes they, they've always been uh, Schottenheimer was there and then they had North Turner but they've always been close they've always been close but just just kind of just on the outside looking in so when Philip Rivers' career is over and all said and done it's just like well I, I think sometimes we have, we have these debates well. Is he a Hall of Fame, you know, quarterback? And what's the Hall of Fame criteria? Uh, and I still don't know the answer to that question. But uh, you know, they need to definitely find an heir apparent to Philip Rivers. But uh, what a sensational season he's had! Yeah, no, this is true. This is true. If you're just tuning in, I'm joined by Nick Ferguson. Uh, this is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio. Uh, Nick, now um, moving forward, obviously the Chargers have, you know, I again props, uh, and I want to kind of move on to the Wild Card Weekend here, but. Props to that uh, to that coach and to that team. Um, the transitions, all the adversity they dealt with, the stadium they've been playing in, um, kicking issues, kicking woes. Um, I I really have to commend uh, Anthony Lynn and Wisenhunt and also Gus Bradley on and that entire team uh, for being able to fight back and if somehow find a way and almost be almost make it to the post, you know. Um, now, moving forward, though, so there's coaching changes here. We have six different coaches gone. I'm not going to talk about all of them, I, but one I do want to mention uh, is obviously that's been front and center in news is uh, ESPN commentator or uh, analyst uh, John Gruden now becoming essentially it's the it hasn't been cro- the T's haven't been crossed and the, the dots haven't been dotted. But it's it's pretty prevalent that he is going to be the new coach for the Oakland Raiders. I don't think they would have fired Jack Del Rio after the game as well without knowing that. But moving forward, is it fair for the Kansas City Chiefs to have him coming in and doing the play-by-play on this game coming up this weekend on Saturday? Well, it's kind of unfortunate things worked out that uh, the way that they have. Uh, no one knew that this would actually happen, so uh, he was already – you know, on the sheet to actually uh, call the game. So we can't really, you know, take that away and hold that against him. But it just seems like, you know, then lies a little conflict of interest. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, once he officially becomes the Oakland Raiders head coach, he and Andy Reid would both be competing within the division. Mm-hmm. And usually before you, you know, give a broadcast, you have time to look at the team, maybe look at some tape, talk to the coaches about, you know, certain nuances to the offense, any changes, health, and how does, you know, injuries to your team really change your game plan. But knowing as though these two guys are very, you know, veteran guys and Andy Reid and, and John Gruden, I know Gruden is going to be really, you know, specific about the questions that he asks. And he's going to avoid asking certain questions that I, I would think that would help him somehow um, next year. Okay. But also we have the fact that this in is too as well. Andy Reid, just like you know the Raiders, they're going to draft different players. They may tweak things here and there. And we know Alex Smith is going to play, 
you know, against the Tennessee Titans. What we don't know is if Alex Smith is going to be when on with the Kansas, Kansas City, City Chiefs next, next year. year. Yeah. Yeah. So we we don't know that. So there's so many things can change because the offense could look different with Patrick Mahomes at the starting quarterback position opposed to Alex Smith. So I know, you know, on the outside looking in and saying, okay, well, is there a strategic advantage that could be given to John Gruden for calling the game? To me, not really, because, like I said, things can definitely change. It's not like Andy Reid is going to tell, you know, John Gruden, you know, uh, certain, you know, play calls and schemes. and no, he's not going to do that. So both of the guys are going to be professional, knowing what it is, and both men respect each other. So I, I expect uh, both guys to handle themselves in a very professional manner. Okay. Yeah, no, totally true. Uh, I think it's nice to hear that as well. Now, in the AFC, though, we're talking about, we just talked about Alex Smith for a moment. That's the one veteran that's been to the post. We've got Tyrod Taylor, Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota, never been to the post. And then on the NFC side, we've got Breeze, Goff, Matt Ryan, and Cam Newton. I mean, and I'm just talking about this wild card weekend. I'm not talking about Ben and Tom and the other and um, Case Keenum and Nick Foles, obviously in the NFC. But for this divi- for this round, the wild card round, it's kind of crazy how contrasted it is with the NFC and the AFC. It, it, it is, but th- but this time of year, it's, it's the thing that makes it so exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about the teams uh, that were in the playoffs last year and the teams that are in now. I mean, now you have. Uh, first-time head coaches in playoff games. You have uh, quarterbacks who have no playoff experience at all going against veteran quarterbacks. Uh, you know, especially look at you know Jared Goff. I mean, last year everyone was you know going to write him off and saying that he's a bust. Now, I mean, they're hosting a playoff game yeah. in Los Angeles against a team that was in the Super Bowl last year. year. Totally. And then when you look at just kind of comparing the rosters, you know, Atlanta has like 36 players who with playoff experience. The Rams only have six. So when you look at it, you say, well, how much of that experience is going to play into this weekend's game? Maybe not, maybe not a lot. It all depends because, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, we've seen them get hot. We've seen them play with the lead. But we've also seen them lose the lead as well. Yeah. So when I look at a lot of these matchups, that's what it's going to be about. You know, plays at the quarterback position. Which guys, you know, have ball security, don't turn the ball over. Being able to work the two-minute offense when you need to. Uh, and also the four-minute offense when you're trying to play, keep it away and keep the lead. And it's, it's quarterback play and it's kicking in special teams because we know as teams advance further in the playoffs, the defensive units you face are going to be more stout, both in the passing game and the running game. So I'm interested to see how this game between the Falcons and the Rams shake out because Todd Gurley has been a beast. I mean, he's been carving up defenses like nobody's business. But also, the Falcons have two guys, and one guy that sticks out is, you know, Devontae Freeman. Devontae Freeman, I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he's a monster within himself, and he can run between the tackles. They do a great job blocking on the perimeter as far as those screen plays. So he's you know, one or two as well in the receiving game. game too, which is crazy on the stat lines. Exactly because he can catch where, the little you know, screen passes. Well, but see me for me when I watch the games all season long. You know, we always talk about explosive play, pass plays, right? But when I look at what has happened 
with the screen game with a lot of backs. You look at the New Orleans Saints, they've done a great job, and they've always done a great job utilizing the screen game as far as a passing play. Todd Gurley, you look at the monster yards that he's eaten up. A lot of those yards have come screen plays. Mm-hmm. Devontae Freeman, we're talking about the same thing. Screen plays. So if, if I'm a defensive player, I'm making sure that I'm doing a special job this week on screen plays. And hopefully the defensive coordinators are doing a great job of showing guys how to fit up on screen plays. Hell, you can look at the bowl game that was just played in Pasadena between Oklahoma and Georgia. Oklahoma couldn't even stop the run. So the same rules apply in the NFL. If you can't stop those type of plays, then you're going to put your offense in a bad situation because they're going to be on the sideline and they're going to be spectators. You might as well charge them a price of admission because they're watching the football game at that point. No, I love the humor there. No, this is true 100%. I mean, it's so, so cliche, but if you can contain the quarterback and stop the run, you can win the game. I mean, essentially, you know. Um, now, let's. I want to also talk about um, uh, first losing, losing coming into the playoffs because you, you, you shift your momentum. It can be switched in a locker room, depending on the coach, into a positive. But losing versus resting players and losing a game. Because I saw the Rams, we all knew San Francisco was coming in. I picked San Francisco to win because I knew Gurley and Goff and all the starters were going to be resting. I saw the highlights uh, from NFL Films, and it is painful for Coach McVay and all those coordinators and the players to not win that game and not have their starters out there. What is it like for a player, and do you think that sets you back? Well, in that situation, uh, sitting Jerry Goff, uh, Aaron Donald, and Todd yeah. Gurley, uh, those guys have played sensational all season long. You don't want to risk of uh, run a risk of those guys getting, getting injured. injured. But the biggest thing is it's Russ. Russ is a concern. Now, if we were talking about the Rams having a first-round bye, I would deem it a much larger issue than the fact of you sitting those guys out. Uh, they're still there. They're still in tune to the game. They still have to play on wild-card weekend. So, to me, I don't think that is a huge uh, concern because there's not that much of a layoff uh, between the last game that, that they played. And we know for sure Todd Gurley is going to come to play and Aaron Donald for certain is going to play. Certain. The only guy that's in question is Jared Goff because now we're talking about a young guy who's only in his second year in the NFL hosting his first playoff game, right? You know, what's going through his head? Will he be able to handle the moment? Now, lucky for him, Matt LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, was with the Atlanta Falcons last year. So he can now talk to his quarterback, Jerry Goff, and Goff can lean on Matt LaFleur's experience as far as being around Matt Ryan. Because what happens with players, you know, we're always in steady competition with guys on our, on our team, but it's also you're in competition with other guys at the position uh, around the league that play your position. So is he going to try to uh, match Matt Ryan pass for pass? And if there's an incomplete uh, play or he throws an interception, you know, how much pressure is he going to put on himself? Is he just going to look and say, listen, I put my team in a bad situation, I turned the ball over, now I need to go back and I need to make up for it? Or is he going to revert back to, you know, Jared Goff of last year? This is where we're going to see, you know, Sean McVay as a coach, you know, mature, and we're going, definitely going to see Jared Goff, if he can, 
mature and take that next step. Well, no, and then you mentioned as well, is this coordinator uh, a bonus also for Wade Phillips, you know, and that regardless, you know, Sean McVay and Goff have not been to the post. However, Wade Phillips has and three other and two other coaches as well on that staff have been there before. Um, but uh, now let's talk about that game. So who do you think comes out with that W? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ride with, with, with the Rams. Uh, even though they're a younger team, uh, they – are inexperienced. Uh, to me, this is where I believe their inexperience comes into play because, as we would say in the NFL, they don't know that they don't know. So they don't walk, they're not going to walk in this game very fearful, right? And because they don't understand the magnitude that this game presents. So they're going to approach it like it's a regular week. And when I look at it, the pressure isn't on the Rams. The pressure is on the Falcons yeah. because no one anticipated the Rams being here in the first place. The Falcons, everyone anticipated this. This was a team that gave surrendered a huge lead over uh, the New England Patriots in the fourth quarter with eight minutes and 33 seconds remaining. So all the pressure is on them. They have a new defensive coordinator, a new offensive coordinator, and we've seen Matt Ryan over the past couple uh, of weeks, if you have a five-game breakdown, we're talking about four touchdowns and four interceptions. So he hasn't really played that well. Also, you factor in and that Julio Jones, their big-time receiver, he's been nursing foot injuries. I mean, we, we watched the game against Carolina. There, there were a lot of times when the camera panned the sideline, you can see him uh, on the sideline in pain. So you wonder how that is going to uh, affect him in the game. And if there's no Julio Jones as far as the big play threat, that's going to put Matt Ryan in the bind in every play is going to have to be a check down play or a run play to Devontae Freeman, which I think having a guy like Aaron Donald who commands a double team, take the pressure off the linebackers, and he can penetrate and get in the backfield, that could be problematic you know, for the Atlanta Falcons. So for this Ram team, they need to start off fast. You have Sammy Watkins, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. You need Fight to on. utilize all those three wide receivers against that Falcons defense because I think they can get over top on that Falcons defense. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, I kind of have I have picked the same. Now let's uh, stay. We're going to stay with Saturday rather than stay in the NFC. It is Saturday earlier that earlier Saturday? Uh, Kansas City, Andy Reid, Alex Smith, Kelsey, uh, Kareem Hunt are all hosting the Tennessee Titans. Um, this for me is going to be a tough game for Titans to actually win. It's tough to play in Kansas City. Um, as a player, you want to share a little bit about that, especially playing in the post in Kansas City? It, it, it's, it's hard because it, their, their stadium kind of sits in the bowl, mm-hmm. right? And the field is kind of uh, lower than the outside surf parking surface. So, you know, all that crowd noise, it just kind of hovers, you know, like, like, like that haze when you're flying <laughs> into from, in, from LAX <laughs> into Los Angeles, that haze you see, that's that kind of sound, how it sits there in Arrowhead Stadium, so it gets, it gets really loud. And I know in Tennessee it's cold, but I can tell you, when you're losing, it gets colder. And the fact that you don't have uh, DeMarco Murray, that means the bulk of the carries are going to fall on Derrick Henry's shoulders. And I know he had an explosive uh, game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but things change from week to week. And this is a, a, a Bob Sutton team that, from a pass standpoint, they've been really deficient. As far as stopping the run, they would come up and they can make plays 
with the, you know guys in the linebacker positions. And also, Kansas City has done a great job over the past couple of weeks, especially after Marcus Peterson Peters was was uh, suspended from the team uh, after his whole shenanigans uh, in New York when the game against uh, the New York Jets. But he has you know been on fire as far as turning the ball over. And to me, Kansas City has thrived doing that all season long, especially after that game, that slid when uh, that slide when they lost about four games or uh, right, five of the or last four six. out of six. Yeah, four out of yeah. six games. That was a big slide. That was a big slide, and then they they turned it on later in the season. But it was all doing part to you know turnovers, putting Alex Smith on the short field, and you know Alex Smith. I mean, when you when you break these two quarterbacks down. You know, Alex Smith has the highest passer rating, and Marcus Mariota has the lowest passer rating. And you look at explosive plays. We're talking about those splash plays that are 20-plus. Alex Smith has been the best in the league at those explosive plays. So if they can continue with that storyline, it's going to make it really hard on Marcus Mariota, who has been turning the ball over as of late. And when you turn the ball over as a quarterback position, I not only get you fired, but it sends your team straight to the post, exit out of the postseason as quickly as you can. Yeah, well, and and couple that with the noise at Kansas City at Arrowhead as well. It's really tough uh, with your audibles uh, for a quarterback to go into that environment and play. There is is got to be really challenging. Plus, Alex Smith is playing for his his future in addition and proving everyone wrong um, right now. Absolutely, you know. Here's here's the the funny part of what's taking place in Kansas City, and I know last week Patrick Mahomes looked great. I had a chance to talk to the kid uh, at the Super Bowl last year. Comes from a great family, great kid, and I wish him success. But you got to think, the reason the Chiefs are where they are right now is because of you know Alex Smith. Of course, they didn't play well against the New York Giants or the New York Jets, but uh, he has shown some flashes last year. They didn't push the ball. Uh, down the field, but you're absolutely right. He is auditioning for other teams, and it just even as I say that, it's just like I, I really can't uh, believe it. How you how do you move past a quarterback who showed that he still can make plays uh, in this game? But some other team in free agency, they're going to be the benefactor uh, of Alex Smith and his ability bringing him in. I'm I'm hoping uh, that uh, he stays within the division and he ends up being a quarterback for. Uh, John Elway and the Denver Broncos. I don't know if that would happen, but I just have my fingers crossed. <laughs> now that's another that's another discussion. That's that's a whole sh- whole show discussion right there on the quarterback situation in Denver. Um, now Alex Smith, though, however, too, yeah, he extended the pass. He made himself more explosive rather than the quote unquote um, uh, safe or uh, the manager. You know, as yeah. they as they put the label yeah. on him, you know, but they you know they they kicked off the season with going into to New England and beating New England at home. I mean, you know, that's got to you've got to be able to pull that that positive as well as as a team. Now, moving on, we're going to go. I mean, you were talking about defense as well, and you know, Jacksonville Jaguars are hosting the Buffalo Bills. Um, Buffalo Bills are have hopefully Shady will be back, but I don't know at what capacity. Um, Jacksonville is, is Saxonville right now. Calais Campbell's contribution from the Arizona Cardinals coming in there and making such a difference with that team. Do the Buffalo Bills have a chance going in and beating Jacksonville? In your no, mind? they they don't. If if Shady McCoy was healthy, my answer would be different because when you look 
at how the season ended as far as uh, rankings of the defense against the run, Jacksonville was 21st. Mm-hmm. They're a better passing team, but against the run, it, it, from the numbers, you can see statistically you can run on them. And Shady McCoy has been, you know, fantastic. So now that means the bulk of the running yards are going to come from Tyrod Taylor, who's a dynamic quarterback on a perimeter. That's too much pressure to put on uh, Tyrod. And it just seemed like uh, I could just see, foresee the setup right now. We know that, you know, week 10 against uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, he was pulled in favor of Peterman, Nathan Peterman yeah. right? And that, that was a game, had they won that game, they wouldn't have had to wait to, for, for the Ravens to lose to get into the playoffs. But it just seemed like, you know, everyone's waiting for the other shoe to drop to blame Tyrod Taylor for, you know, Bill's lack of success in the playoffs. And it could come at the hands of the Jacksonville Jaguars because no Shady McCoy. That means your next guy up is Mike Tobert. Tobert is not, you he's know, in his latter part a of his career. Type back. He, oh, he's a he's physical a back. Yeah, he's a he's a forward runner. He's a hard physical runner. But he is in his latter part of his career. Right. Exactly. So you know, okay. Well, if you use him in maybe short yardage goal line situations, maybe he can grind out that one or two yards that you need. But if you need a splash play. In the running game, and like I talked about earlier, how teams are utilizing the screen game as an extra pass play to develop, you know, those explosive runs, he cannot give you that. As a defender, I'm thinking, okay, well, Tobit is, is, is a kind of robust guy. I know already all I have to do is keep him inside and make him run to, you know, my other defenders chasing inside. We, we will be good because if I, even if I miss the tackle, he's not going to run past anyone. See, that's the problem for the Buffalo Bills, you know, and then when you say, well, Charles Clay has been uh, playing well. Zay Jones has come on, and, you know, you have Kevin Benjamin. But I still don't think it's enough when we look at it from a matchup standpoint. And you have to understand this. These teams are quite familiar with one another mm-hmm. because Doug Marone, you know, totally. he's the coach of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, Marcel Darius, who was in Buffalo, is now a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's some bad blood there. Those guys want some get back. And what better way to get back against the Buffalo Bills limping into the playoffs the way they have and no shade of McCoy. So, to me, that was the X factor. He's not in the game. It's going to change. And if I were him, if I could speak directly to him, I know the Bills haven't been to the playoffs since 99. But you don't want to really jeopardize the remaining part or remaining years of your career trying to play in this game. And then maybe a sore ankle turns into – maybe a ruptured Achilles. You don't want to do that. You definitely don't want to do that. Now, let's be, let's talk on the you no, know, and I and and I I really respect Shady uh, on and off the field. I I love what he has to say. He seems he's very grounded as well. But let's talk about Jake Bortles. Jake Bortles, this is a Jacksonville a defensive monster that is led by Blake Bortles, who is playing who is hosting uh, an AFC uh, wild card weekend this week. Can the Buffalo Bills defense, can they smash him in the mouth? Well, yeah, they, they, there will be opportunities uh, to get after Blake Bortles. And you look at how Blake has played over the past two games, haven't really been that stellar. Uh, coming into the season, no one really believed in Blake at all. Uh, everyone was talking about the defense, Saxonville, the Jackson Five, mm-hmm. as far as the guys in the secondary. But no one really believed in Blake Bortles. But Blake Bortles showed midway, you know, through the season that he can make some plays. Uh, Jacksonville actually won some games 
by Blake Bortles making plays from the pocket, which was shocking to so many different people. So what he has to do is go back to the drawing board, go back to what made him Blake Bortles successful at that particular time. He has to get out of his own head. This team, they've done so much to get to this point. You don't never you never want to be the guy to be the main reason why a team lost a game. So for him and the reason he ran he had that, that run mid season was he didn't turn the ball over. So ball security is gonna to have to be really important for him. He can't press. Don't try to press and make something happen because your past two games haven't been that impressive. Let the game come to you. Play to your defense. If the pocket is starting to collapse do not throw an ill-advised ball down the field trying to make a play or hoping your receiver make a play. Eat the sack. Throw the ball out of bounds. Live to play another day because we know that this, you know, Dick LeBeau defense, they're, they're, they're not great. They're not like the, the defenses that he had in Pittsburgh, but they're still opportunistic. And you don't want to put Derrick Henry or Marcus Mariota on a short field. So Blake is going to have to come up big. Even if his numbers, let's say he ends the game – 20 of 24 for 169 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a great day because you didn't turn the ball over. Now your defense is well rested. You're you, you moving the chains. Now they come on the field. They're fresh, and they can get after the quarterback. That's something that they've been doing all season long. So, once again, the quarterback position is in play, especially in this game between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and you just mentioned some, you know, someone that I, another person I held in the highest regard, Dick LeBeau. Um, now, but do you think, though, he is, he has been, you know, when you were describing what you were saying, and, and I know it as well, but it sounds very much, you could slip another word in there, and that would be Alex Smith in the past. Well, yeah, But do you think, though, that is... There, I mean, can can they rattle him? Because I think he is he he's not he's not he's not even in his sophomore year. He's been in the league for a few years, but this is the first time they're in the post. I mean, this is the first time they've had a, a winning career, a winning season in a long time as well. Um, you think that defense can hold it? Well, you know, here's what we know, and it's 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 been true ever since I was a kid. It's true when I play, and it's still true now. You have to play great defense at home, and your defense has to travel. And you have to be able to run the ball, especially when the opposition knows that you're going to run the ball. So with that in mind, they can run the ball with Ivory. They can run the ball with Leonard Fournette, right, to eat up clock, to shorten the game. And also, they have a very opportunistic defense that can get after the quarterback, that can get sacks. It's, it's, they, they've shown that they can do that. They've shown that they can turn defense into offense, right? And we've seen, you know, over the years, if you're winning and want to win the Super Bowl, we've seen a recipe already laid out. There are several teams that have done it. Baltimore did, did it with Trent mm-hmm. Dilfer at the quarterback position. Tampa did it with Brad Johnson at the quarterback position. You can say the Giants did it, you know, with Hosteller at the quarterback position. So if you play defense and you're able to run the ball, there's a possibility that you can win. But you can't turn the ball over. That, that's, the, that's the part that kills you. So 
on the season, 21 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. You know, you can't, you can't do that. If he can go on a run and he can limit his turnovers, he gives Jacksonville a fighting chance, not just in the game against the Tennessee, against Buffalo. He gives them a chance, you know, next week. And maybe they can win enough games and, and get to New England. So it, it, it's all possible because we know New England's defense, they're, they're not that great. There's a lot of holes and deficiencies in their defense. So now is can Blake believe in himself enough to get them where they need to? If he can do that, then it's possible. Well, and now you mentioned that. Now, can anybody go in? Can anybody go into New England and beat New England in in January? Oh, it's possible. We, we, listen, you know, we've never done it, uh, you know, in January um, when I was playing with Denver. Uh, we beat them, beat them in Denver. We beat them uh, in Foxborough late in the season uh, when I was with the Denver Broncos. So it, it's possible. At the beginning of the season, I mean, no one thought Kansas City was going to go and beat the Patriots while they were, you know, dropping no. the banner. No one, no one thought that. So, once again, it's want to go home for a reason. If you don't show up and play your best game of football at that time, no matter what you've done, because we've seen a 16-0 and New England Patriots team play Eli Manning and the Giants, and they seem so far superior from a roster standpoint, and we watched them lose. So you have to play your best game of football. Well, that was, that was also with the magic of uh... – of a special, a very, 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 very special catch. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it was with a very special <laughs> On his helmet by a Trojan. Um. <laughs> well, at the same time, it, it was, did you make the plays that you needed to make at that moment? That's what it boils down to. Well, and that's defense. And that's that's that one, that game as well, I think, is that Giants right. defense. See, yeah. once again, see, we go, what, see, we I go love right defense. back. Defense. Defense wins championships. Totally. Okay, now last game uh, for this weekend is, and you know, a very impressive NFC South. Obviously, three of those teams are in the post, um, but Carolina's going into going into New Orleans. Can can the Panthers go in? Cam Newton, uh, uh, Coakley. Oh my gosh, my brain just froze. Um, Luke Kuechly, <laughs> thank you. You knew where I was going with that. Yeah. And they go in with Drew Brees, and they have, you know, and they've got a running game, and that defense isn't too shabby either. And special teams, what did he have? 106 yard return last week. <laughs> well, you know what? Sh- Sean Payton, uh, he's going to be have his team geared up and ready to play because they had an opportunity against Tampa Bay. Yes. To actually finish the regular season out on a high note, even though they lost the game and they still. Uh, end up getting into the playoffs and winning the division, but it's not the way that you want to walk into the playoffs knowing as though you lost your last game. So uh, the one part that is uh, optimistic is you still was in that game. It wasn't as though you told, you got to that game, rest on your laurels, and you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers totally just kind of ran roughshod uh, mm-hmm. over the Saints. That wasn't the case. It was just a couple of plays here and there that uh, they didn't make. So you can bet Dennis Allen is looking at his defense and saying at the beginning of the season we did not start off hot. No one really gave us a chance based on how our defensive unit has played uh, over the past uh, two years. But we came out on fire once again, 
very opportunistic defense. They can definitely get after uh, the, the quarterback, and that, that is something that is really uh, key. And Cameron Jordan is going to be a key component in this game. Uh, both he and another, <clears throat> excuse me, a former player who played for uh, the San Diego Chargers who's playing well at the Mike Backer position for the New Orleans Saints, and that's Manti Teo, yeah. right? Uh, you know, he's been around the ball, has a nose for the ball. We knew that when he was at Notre Dame. He's showing up big time for the New Orleans Saints. So these are the two players, uh, I think, when you talk about and you look at what Carolina wants to do with the read option with, you know, Christian McCaffrey and those design uh, quarterback runs by Cam Newton, those two guys are really going to need to show up huge on the defensive side of the ball for the New Orleans Saints. But the offense side, I'm not worried about it. Drew Brees has been Drew Brees since I played against him, since he was a member of the San Diego Chargers at that time, now the Los Angeles Chargers. He, all he does is make plays. And it's in the vertical passing game or even in the short checkdowns. And then the fact that you have two monsters. Yeah, huge at, monsters. I mean, man, yeah, Drew. You know, if I were playing against these two guys now, it's one of those things you have to get your mind right uh, because they make you defend vertically and horizontally on a defensive, uh, you know, plane. And this is this is where the game changing comes for the for the Saints. You got to think about it. when these two teams face earlier this season. The Saints beat them twice, so you got to think that's in the back of the mind of Cam Newton, and he didn't play well. No, and he had he's had you know. Multiple games where he's thrown, you know, more than three interceptions, or shall I say, more than two interceptions. So it's in the back of of, of his mind, and he didn't have a great game against uh, the Atlanta Falcons. So he may come in wanting to press, you know, trying to make plays that that are not there. And I still don't think that even with Greg Olson, uh, even with Devin Funches, they just don't have uh, the type of receivers that I think that can make plays consistently on his New Orleans Saints defense. So, you know, I, I like the Saints in, in this game making it a, a three-peat and, you know, walking into the division round. Okay, and if you're just tuning in, this is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and I'm joined by Nick Ferguson, and we've been talking about playoff football, Wild Card Weekend. Now, Wild Card Weekend, we've got any of – okay, now, you just gave your analysis and your picks for this week. However, are there any other – is there an upset – is there any of these games that you think might be an upset win? No, I really don't because here's what I look at. And uh, I, I factor history uh, into this, especially on the wild card rounds. Divisional rounds, you know, things change a little. But if you look back over history, typically the home teams mm-hmm. have won. Mm-hmm. So, you know, since we broke down these games, you know, I went with Kansas City, I went with the Rams, Jacksonville, New Orleans. It, it's something special about being in your home stadium, you know, that fires you up, right? Because your fan base is there, they're happy, no one else is playing, they know it's a win-and-go-home situation, they need to supply that energy, you need to make plays, you know, on, on the field. So, to me, I'm going to give, you know, home field advantage uh, this week in the wild card round to so every, every team uh, that's hosting. So I, I really don't see uh, any possibility of an upset. I mean, if we're looking at an upset, let's just look at the NFC. So we're saying, okay, the Falcons are at the Rams. Rams are a young team, young head coach. 
we already talked about the fact of only having six players with playoff experience mm-hmm. versus 36. So if there is an upset, I mean, the Rams over the Falcons who just went to a Super Bowl, right? That, that That's your upset right there. But to me, I expect the Rams to come out because no one is probably really going to be picking them because of lack of experience. This is where they can catch an Atlanta Falcons team feeling as though their level of experience is going to supersede the hunger and desire of Sean McVay and these young Rams. Okay. Now, and of these teams we spoke about today, is there any team that you think can go, obviously on the AFC side, Titans, Kansas City, Jacksonville, or Buffalo, go all the way and get to the Super Bowl? You did mention Jacksonville potentially being able to go into New England. Is there anyone else that you think could go in there? Or is Jacksonville? Well, you know, of the games that, you know, especially being played on the weekend, I like New Orleans. Uh, it's a great, it make a great story, that two-week lead-up, uh, you know, for the Super Bowl. They've been there before. Uh, Drew Brees being an older quarterback, throwing for a lot of yards, a lot of dysfunction that has taken place over that organiz- or with that organization over the years, how uh, they've kind of revamped their defense from being worse to putting himself in the first position, Dennis Allen being fired in Oakland and now at the helm and having this defense mm-hmm. play to a higher level. And knowing as though, like I said before, the formula has already been laid out. You just have to go out and execute. And they do two of the things that you need to do in the NFL. You run the ball and play great defense. The only thing is sometimes, you know, you wonder is it that they – sometimes rest on their laurels a little bit because they know Drew Brees can bring them back with two minutes remaining in a game. They know they have two dynamic runners who can shorten the game for them. So those are the things that the concerns that you worry about. But looking at Saturday's, uh, you know, matchup and Sunday's matchup, you know, if, if there, there is a team, I mentioned Jacksonville, I like New Orleans' chances as well. Okay. Yeah. Now, see. Now, that's the other story. Is that the Vikings? I mean, the Vikings, and they're they're not playing. They have the bye this week. Obviously, the Eagles have the bye. The Eagles are gonna. The Eagles are struggling. Uh, I don't think the Eagles are gonna be able to continue, even though playing in uh, at at Soldier Field. No. Um, they gonna play veteran? Is it veteran stadium? Yes. Um, you know, in in well, the I cold. Guess, I guess they call it Lincoln Financial. Lincoln Financial. Thank you. I was like, yeah. no, that wasn't it. Um, it's cold, but this Vikings team, and though I know Sam Bradford is also back to practice, which I don't think any no changes are going to happen. Um, Case Keenum has been able to 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 be at the helm with this team, and they they're playing on all four on all three cylinders. They are playing, I think, complete football. Do you think they have a chance to be able to host in their hometown and be the first team that does so? Well, there's a possibility. Like I said, the team that they would have to uh, beat would be the New Orleans Saints because when you look at the fact of the teams that they've played already this season and they've beaten, and they've beaten several teams that are in the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at how Case Keenum is playing and how the defense is playing as well, and Latavius Murray has been uh, an excellent fill-in for rookie, uh, sensational rookie Davin Cook out of the Florida State, uh, there, there is a possibility that that hunger is still there, but you you wonder how much is that in the wane in the back of their minds? How much the, uh, is the, is it that that pressure will be too much for them? And sometimes 
you know, my dad used to say, you know, pressure, you know, burst pipes. It may be too much uh, for this team, and they may just be overwhelmed with that pressure of being the first team to ever host uh, in their host stadium. And, uh, you know, the team I, I thought for sure was uh, going to be Philly, but with Nick Foles at the quarterback position and how he hasn't really played well as late, that has definitely uh, changed, you know, my, my mind and my impression uh, of Philly. So uh, of, of a team that could possibly stand in their way uh, out of uh, eliminated Philly, uh, New Orleans has definitely has uh, a possibility. Uh, maybe the Rams. I'll say the Rams because, you know, the Rams lost to Minnesota earlier this season. I'm sure they would want to get a little uh, get back in. Well, and, and the really E and the New show. Orleans just as, did as well. Well, yeah, yeah. You know. But but I think the the Rams, uh, for the most part, because it's always difficult to face a team, you know, twice or three times and beat them. But sometimes when you face the foe that has already beaten you, you feel as though maybe there's certain things you learned about that team, but more or less about yourself that would definitely uh, help you. So uh, th- those would be the two teams, if, if possible. If all things are even and both quarterbacks play well and they don't turn the ball over, you know, I, I like both uh, the Rams and New Orleans with a chance to uh, defeat Minnesota. Okay, and then what we that were our last question for you, and we've got a role is uh, matchups in the Super Bowl. Your predictions. You have to check back with me. No, no, I want it right now. Um, <laughs> no, I'll go out on a limb, but I give this disclaimer. Okay. You know, I I can or I am subject to changing my opinion based on what happens in the conference. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, for for one, for sure, uh, in the AFC, um, this is not nothing new. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots, uh, even though their defense hasn't been playing well. Deion Lewis has stepped up. Uh, to the plate. I think uh, for me, Tom Brady always raises uh, the bar as far as uh, his caliber of play when, you know, the game is on the line. Uh, Rob Gronkowski did not see too many touches last week. It was a Deion Lewis show, and you can't get back to Minnesota or get to the Super Bowl at all without Gronk being a huge uh, factor in the offense. So, uh, you know, also here's another guy, former former uh, Ram who could come up big in the playoffs Kenny Britt, yeah, right. Kenny Britt could come up big for the Patriots because what we've seen with the Patriots is always the the least likely of the individual that you expect to make plays has always made plays in key situations for the New England Patriots. So uh, I like the Patriots um, on the NFC side. Once again, it's it's still a toss up, but uh, since we're talking now, I'll just say the New Orleans Saints. Okay. All right, Nick. You rule. Thank you so much for your time tonight or today. And um, I will be in text communications with you oh, <laughs> and <like> phone calls. <laughs> no. Thank you so much for your time and all of your insight. We really appreciate it. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Much, much respect. And uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you at Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> all right. As awesome. always. Yes, as Sometimes. always. All right, awesome. Thank you so much. All right, you guys, huge thanks for tuning in today. Uh, Thanks to Matt for running the boards, Um, Nick Ferguson for his time and analysis on all the wild card weekend. Uh, He offers so much. We'll have to have Nick back on again with different roles he also does in the coaching realm. Um, This is the Desiree Show on Dash Radio, and the NFL playoff is heading on. So head over to the IG or Facebook page, and you can fill in 
on what's going on with that. I want to give props to Sal Barbier who hopped over Steve Olson somehow and came out with a W for the regular season on the uh, Beat the Outsiders. All right, you guys, thanks for tuning in. Have a dynamite week, and I'm out.